I don't know why I had this laugh since we started recording that. <laughs> I just need to. Yeah, you sound like you're stoned and you're giggling. <laughs> I need to get that out of the way. Um, all right. So today's episode. Welcome, everyone, to the Retake Lounge. Um, I'm Lucas. This is Nathan. We're your co-hosts. We're going to be talking about buying Superdorf, Dorf, and locality retakes and just like what to look out for because... Uh, oftentimes Nathan and I have talked in great discussion that we see a lot of people, um, kind of asking, Hey, I bought this at a show or Hey, my friend gave me this and they said it was this and that. How, what locality is it? What is it a super dwarf or it's two or three years old and it's only four feet. So it must be a super dwarf. So we're going to address a lot of that stuff and just how to, uh, do your research, how to buy smart, intelligently, um, and then also like some of the, the misclaims and things that are, are made out there often that can lead people to believe they're buying a small snake when in reality it has potential to get bigger. Um, I feel like I rambled on that, but Nathan, go ahead and kind of jump us in on what do you think the most important aspect of that is? Uh, just know who you're buying from. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you run up on an animal at a show, if you run up on an animal on morph market and you're just getting into super dwarfs or uh, dwarf reticulated pythons especially just because of the localities and all the percentages that go into it you just want to be careful with who you're buying from what their bloodlines are what the parents look like especially when we're talking about dwarfs i mean you you need some people need a snake that's going to stay within a certain parameters or just more comfortable with a snake that fits within a certain size parameter. Um, so if that's something that's important to you, you should know who you're buying from and what the animals actually are. Okay. Question for you. Let's say I don't know like anybody. Yeah. What should I do? Like what's the first thing I should I do? Mean, I mean, when you're, buying from any brand i mean you should just do your simple research you can google the name of these people see where they pop up online that's i mean it's 2022 you should be looking online first um and then if you have any people any like friends within the community let's say you're brand new to this um i think just reach out to those people start a conversation uh when i was brand new to super dwarfs I reached out to the person that I was buying my animals from. I asked for pictures of mom, pictures of dad, how old they were, um, size on each of them. And I, you know, verified pictures before I even would consider buying any of these animals. Yeah. So I think it's just your due diligence just to, you know, talk to the people you're buying animals from and then, if you if you don't trust or like if you need an extra reference you can reach out to other people that they're connected with okay so what what i'm hearing you say is like number one thing to do is to know who you're buying from or do your research on who is selling these kind of animals if you're if you're doing that right yeah okay so before we continue on this topic i just want to remind everyone if you guys are enjoying the retake lounge go ahead and like subscribe comment um engage with us in the comments and we'll be happy to discuss things i'd love to hear your guys' thoughts and feedbacks in the comments as well um don't forget that we drop new episodes every single friday on spotify apple music and youtube 
Uh, and if you want to become a part of our Patreon community, um, you know, we're recording this three weeks in and we already have, I think, 12 or 13 members. So shout out to all of you that have joined. We have a discord going now. Um, so come and join the party. Have fun with us. Be a lounger, a sofa spud, couch potato, whatever. Why, why do I feel like we're forgetting one and it's our own, it's our own Patreon. Uh, that was the three that it was, it's, it's the top, the top tier crap. What's the top tier? Um, sofa spud, lounger, no couch potato and lazy, lazy bones. bones. There we go. All right. Be a lazy. Aha, bone. I got it. Um, be a lazy bone. Yeah. So Nathan, back to what you were saying. I agree a hundred percent. Know who you're buying from. And that, that's that sometimes not every situation is like, okay, I, I want a Superdorf retick or a pure locality retick, yeah. and I am going to start researching. Some people, like myself, can be impulsive at times, um, and they'll go to a show, and they'll be like, ooh, pretty snake. And then they'll talk to a breeder, and the breeder is like, yeah, this is a 75% Superdorf. It's five feet long and already three years old. And then you're like, oh man, how much is it? And they're like, well, you know what? I'll give you a deal for today. We'll do six fifty. And you're like, ooh, sold. And then you go online and you show off your animal that you're so proud of, um, like anyone would do. And people start asking, hey, who produced it? Who are the parents? And you're caught in the situation like, uh. So sometimes that happens, and. I guess I want to hit on this point um, to to try to prevent that kind of stuff from happening. You can buy at a show, but Nathan, if you're buying at a show, what you don't impulse buy. I think that's the big thing there. I think if we want to see a change within, you know, the online posts that we see of, Hey, what is this? Or are you sure that it's going to stay this size or other people questioning the genetics, you know, yeah, hundred percent. I think that. So, like, even the psychology behind impulse buy, we can all blame Amazon, right? So, or we can blame a deal, like, <laughs> um, and you can blame that you have the money burning the hole in your pocket. But you're you're talking about an animal at the end of the day, and you're talking about something that you're going to care for long term. And if that's not your mentality going into the buy. And it's just something to trade around for you or just something that's going to end up in someone else's hands down the line, then you probably should rethink buying at all, you know? So it's a hard conversation because there's just going to be impulsive people out there. So um, I think just having the drive to want to do better for these animals is the big thing too. Like, know what you're buying, respect what you're buying. Yeah. And, and I'm going to make a comment. And before I make the comment, I, I don't want, uh, it, it's going to come across like it's okay to impulse buy other animals. And it's not like, even if you're buying a ball Python on impulse, like still shouldn't yeah. be doing it. But at the end of the day, also like considering that these are reticulated pythons, like doing an impulse buy on a retic is definitely, uh, there can be some consequences with that, especially if, if size is unexpected or unknown and it gets big or you don't know what a retic entails, which by the way, if you don't, you can listen to our second episode of the retic lounge. We kind of cover 
the basis of it's a retic right for you. But um, as far as impulse buying a retic, especially if you are looking for a retic to stay small, is going to increase your chances of making really big mistakes, I think. Um, let's say you have that burning hole in your pocket and you're not going to listen to us yeah. or to anybody who would advise against a a impulse buy the things that you need to be asking for, especially if they're saying it's a percentage super dwarf or dwarf, or if they're saying it's a pure locality, like at the very least, you got to know who produced the animal, who produced the parents, like bare minimum. Um, And that'll give you a little bit more information, right? Because what oftentimes happens at shows is people will walk around with their nice animals and they start trading from other people's tables. And, and they'll trade other people's tables and then they'll have this new animal on their table and someone's like, ooh, I like that. And they were planning to keep it, but they end up being willing to sell it. And so you might assume because it's on a breeder's table or someone at a show who's selling retics who might not even be a breeder, um, which is fine as well, but it might not even be their animal. And so um, you want to know who produced it and who produced the parents and what were the parents. Um and try to go back as far as you can. That's the most accurate way to be able to tell if your animal is legit um, and you're buying what it is that you're being told that you're buying because at the end of the day, we still live in a shitty, gloomy world where people want to make money over being, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh genuine i don't know i'm looking or or with with no integrity right they they don't have integrity over wanting to buy a sale uh or wanting to make a sale so always try to find out parents and background information yeah i got really lucky looking back at it uh getting into the super dwarf reticulated pythons so i i met richard bilbo through some local stuff and then also at shows and he would bring his dwarf reticulated pythons that he had for sale out there but i always knew i wanted something a little bit smaller than one of those dwarves so uh you know he led me in the right direction and try instead of trying to like put those other animals on me Mm -hmm. you know so if you have someone that's leading you in the right direction even though they might not be able to serve you you might be working with someone who you should listen to down the line. Yeah. Um, and then also I think one important thing to cover, um, is like just realistic expectations of sizes of these animals and where they can go. Uh, cause there are certainly phenomenal bloodlines out there that you can, you can get a 50% Kalatoa, uh, which is a super dwarf locality. Um, and it can stay real small and have great genetics backing it up. And you could hit the, 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 you can hit the lottery odds on the genetics of, of where that comes from. But, um, a, a 50% super dwarf can literally be a mainland pairing to a pure super dwarf in which the, you know, the, the genetic potential of those animals are so drastic. You can end up with a smaller animal or you can end up with a very large animal, um, yeah. Or there's several generations of 50% superdors being produced and parents being smaller and smaller where it'll increase your chances of getting that smaller retic. Um, and so 
Absolutely. I think that's an important factor to, to have that realistic expectation. Um, you know, I, I see oftentimes like, Hey, I just bought this 37 and a half percent superdor from so-and-so and, and, uh, they said the dad is, you know, a mainland two and a half, three years old and only eight feet and full grown. And the mom asked for pictures. Yeah. <laughs> ask, ask for pictures. That's exactly another great point on what to do. Ask for pictures, get pictures and find out the size of them. But, but also like the secret underlying there is like, if they say it's a three year old male and a four or five year old female, those snakes are very far from being fully mature and, and full grown. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's little yeah. secret ways that that some people can mislead others to say like, oh, mom is only eight feet and dad is only six feet, but their ages are still very young in maturity. Um, so uh, parent size means so much, but also parents age, I think, is equally as important. And if not, in my opinion, Nathan might agree here, but I think it actually has the upper hand. Um uh, yeah, I think, I think a lot determined, uh, well, from what I've been told from a few people is that female size has a lot to do with it as far as what the babies end up with is, and so far my babies from my clutch for my female have grown pretty much like her. Um, and you know, she's had a couple years f- since her first clutch She's maybe a little girthier, but she's still around the same length. So um, I'm going to remeasure her soon using the snake widget. You can, I don't know if any of you guys have ever used that, but you can throw your snake in a holding tub, throw a ruler as a reference photo, take a shot straight down on them, and you can map out the spine of your snake and roughly find out how long they are. So, um, I should do that this season before I start pairing like I did a couple of years ago and just see where she's so at. So you could give buyers a good estimate, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, find, find people that are trying to represent their animals as honestly as possible. There's a lot of people out there, especially now, that are really upfront with what they're working with. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and I mean, like, one of the people in the hobby um, that I think is, is – completely transparent and and like extremely um i think i know who you're gonna honest about his animals and he advocates for just informing 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 yourself is chris mcbicker yeah yep um chris mcbicker is always advocating and and he's showing his 50 percent super dwarf unknown locality that's a massive 13 foot snake that's in his hands that like the head is all the way up here and the tail's like dragging on the floor and just goes to show that with a 50 percenter, it really can go either way. And even as you get up into 62 and a half percent, 68 percent or 75 percent, um, I think it's important also to understand that, you know, you increase your chances big time by getting a smaller snake. But there will be outliers and there's other potentials that lead to the ultimate size of your animal. So I guess I'm rambling on about this because. No, but the the same can go on the opposite way. Yeah. So it's not like there's a there's a guaranteed formula to this is the percent of percentage of your snake. This is how big it's going to get. So, I mean, I've seen on the adverse end a twenty five percent Kalatoa, twenty five percent Jamp that was tiny at four years old, yeah. like six foot, but still 
it's a rarity. Yeah. It, that's that's genetics over time. Yeah, it can it can certainly happen. Um and so I mean back to the main thing that we just keep hitting over the you know, hitting the nail over the head is is just get as much information as you can and try to limit the impulse buy. I I get it. Mm-hmm. I wanna buy a snake every second that I'm awake. Um every time I open Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Every time. Um but but I guess Nathan, I, I, I'm, I'll go first, and then I want you to share kind of what you do. But I'm going to go through my process of what it takes for me to buy a snake. And I guess I'll, I'll use an example with, like, my wild-caught animal. Um, uh, because I think, I mean, that's also an important factor, too. There's still people that are out there, you know, wanting to get a wild-caught or wanting to get a pure locality. So let's talk about that a little bit. So, Well, and yeah, and I'd hope that's even more extensive than my buying has been. Yeah. But- Let's see. So, um, all right. When I am wanting to buy a super dwarf or dwarf cross with high percentages or, or whatever the case may be, um, if I am not directly buying from a quote unquote reputable breeder or someone who already has established themselves as, as having legit animals in the industry, but let's say it's someone who said like, I got their snake from, uh, reach out reptiles or, or Eric Lee, um, at the very minimum, I'm going to ask to see pictures of the snake. I'm going to ask for percentages of localities, and then I'm going to ask them if they know what the parents were. If you're buying a snake second or third hand off of someone, there's a good chance that down the line that information can get a little foggy. Um, or some people just are really good with documentation and they have the animal. Or if you do what, what I myself do or, or what uh, Reach Out Reptile does, they come with a little certificate of what the pairing was. And that that if you have that when you buy an animal, if you sell that animal, you should send off that certificate with it. Think of it as like a birth certificate. It doesn't mean that the animal is like super legit. It just means that's the birth certificate that came with the animal. Um, but what I do is if I if any of the information I receive that information, I'm asking who bred the animal. Okay, great. Um, so once I find out who bred the animal, guess what I do? I contact the breeder and I'll say, Hey, I'm talking to Joe blow and Joe blow is selling an animal that they said that they got from you. And it is a 50% Tom and phantom. Um, did you produce a, a 50% Tom and phantom cross? No. Okay. Red flag right off the bat. Right. Mm-hmm. That as soon as I hear a no, I'm not going to try and do what, what a lot of people try and do and convince themselves and try to find other revenues and outs to try to make what I'm hoping to be true, true, because I really want this animal because it might be a beautiful animal. But as soon as I come up with my first red flag in, in, in who the supposed breeder was says, no, I didn't next. I'm looking for the next animal. Like I stopped right there. Mm-hmm. If they say, yes, yes, I produced it, I'm going to ask, awesome, can you tell me about the parents and any other information that you have about grandparents and so on? And I want to, like, for example, I have all my notes on my phone, and I'm going to go through it right now. I was almost going to buy a wild-caught male Solaire, and if it, if it's still available at Arlington, I might. By the time you guys listen to this, I might have a wild-caught male Solaire. Um, I'm going to try to get Nathan to convince me not to. 
um, but on my phone. So I literally have a, I have the name of the person who's selling it. I have the name of the person that he got it from. I contacted the person who's Dan Maliri, by the way, who he got it from. And I asked him who he got the animal from. And he was able to trace it back to the original person who got it from the importation who sold the animal off. And that was Rodney. I'd contacted Rodney from R&B Reptiles. And he said, yep, I imported Slayers back in 2012. And that's from that stock. And I, I literally have a trail line of from the time of importation that that animal came in. And that like, and I know a lot of people are, might be thinking like, wow, that's a lot of work to do, but absolutely. Like I, if I want to use that animal to do breedings, I want every little bit of information that I can have about that animal, because as we're moving forward in the super dwarf industry, I feel like we have this desire now to finally start legitimizing bloodlines and, and tracking history because before that wasn't really a thing with retics, like it was with green tree pythons, other types of chondros and, and um, you know, the carpet pythons. Um, but it's like now we're playing catch up in the retic world and it's a very dangerous game to play because some people might not always be honest. So if you have a red flag my gut tells me one red flag is enough for me to say, I'll just wait. I'll wait until the next snake that's similar to that that I want to come up. Um, yeah. If you're set on something, a specific morph, a specific size. Yeah. And it's not available that year. Like you're maybe late in the season. A lot of babies have been sold, whatever. Yeah. Wait. Wait. Yeah. Search around the pages. You'll find it. And... And what's crazy is that if you actually wait, you'll probably find that you find a better quality animal down the road because now you know what you really, really want. And you're going to now cherry pick instead of getting a second or third hand me down animal. You're going to be like, OK, this is what I want. Let me wait for someone to actually produce it. And let me try to get first, second, third pick of the clutch. Um, and then as far as what I did to obtain my wild caught Kalatoas, um, a breeder had them who was not the importer and I asked information on the animals and they told me importation date. They told me uh, around the time importation date who the importer was and um, when they received the animal. And I also asked them for detail like why, why like what, what made you get this animal? Why was this exchange done? Like I literally asked them like how'd you get the animal? Like clearly I know you bought it but like tell me the story behind it. And then what I did was I literally just wrote down all that information on my phone, on my notes, and I contacted the importer who he said he got it directly from. And I said, hey, I'm looking to buy a wild caught pair of Kalatoas from so-and-so. They said that they got it from you and you were the importer. And then I didn't, I didn't tell them any of the information that I had received from that person, I asked the questions to see if the answers matched, right? Like I don't, I don't hand them the information and say, Hey, this is what I was given for them to just be like, Oh yeah, cool. Right. I said like, Hey, w when did you sell it to them? Okay. That checked that the stories matched up. Hey, when did you, um, when, when did you import them? Okay. That matched up to what they said. Check. Um, 
you know, do you know why they were buying them or what, what was their transition? Or in, in this case, there was like a trade for, for huts, for, for, you know, venomous snakes and, and retics and the importer was getting out of keeping retics. And, and again, the story matched at the end of the day, the story matched without me giving that person the information. So I was like, okay. So I traced it back to the importer and even spoke to the importer. I felt confident, which the importer is extremely reputable. I mean, um, yeah. Yeah. What's your process? Uh, well, starting out, I think I did a lot more than most would, but definitely not as extensive as that. Um, so let's see. On the first one I got was from Eric Lee. I messaged him through Facebook. Our thread probably went for a week or two just sending pictures of parents uh asking about potential size looking at different babies that kind of thing um but all the information he was giving me was solid at the time uh but there were not all the educational resources there were uh or that there are now for super dwarfs so um you know i wasn't able to really like break down the bloodlines at that time i think it was being sold as like an 87 and a half percent super dwarf um and richard bilbo was working with the same bloodline but then you know as people started gaining information we started finding out that these animals are 75 percent kalatoa 12 and a half percent jampea and people were mashing those two together to get their 87 and a half percent to market that way so you know you have to really oh hold on i maybe did i just so are you saying that 87 and a half percent was a combination of super yep, and, yep, dude i am yep, so happy yep. that wasn't even on my radar and i'm so happy that you brought that up but it, it wasn't done it wasn't done on purpose yeah, no. like it was just before information was being shared about where these animals were coming from i think the the since they shared the same bloodline, I think they ended up coming from, uh, oh, uh, it's uh, Ben Rennick stock. So um, Rennick animals, people, I think Gary ended up finding out that they are Rennick animals and was able to trace down the bloodline a little bit further and discern what was actually within that 87.5% dwarf, super dwarf mix-up. Yeah. Um so, um, do you want to speak to that in more detail? Do you want me to? Because I feel like we should cover that topic a little bit more just so that people... Go for okay. it. So, um, what we're talking about is oftentimes that you'll see like on Morph Market, um, you'll see an ad for like a, um, let me use an easy number, uh, 50%. I guess that's the easiest to, to mm -hmm. describe this, but it'll say 50% sd slash d for those of you that are like brand new and don't know what those stand for sd is super dwarf d is dwarf um so it'll say 50 percent sd slash d a lot of people will read that and they'll be like oh 50 percent super dwarf right and and they they don't really uh, again these are people that that are newer in the industry and they see it on morph market and they're like okay i'm gonna buy a 50 percent super dwarf but if that that person who is selling the animal has uh you know if they have good integrity they're going to put in the description the percentages of the parents and how they got those percentages in that animal because what a 50 percent 
super dwarf slash dwarf could mean. It could literally mean 25% SD and 25% uh, dwarf to combine the 50. It can literally mean 12.5% SD and 37.5% dwarf to get the 50. I mean, and you can keep moving those each and every way. And um, the difference between a 50% super dwarf and a 12.5% super dwarf and 37.5% dwarf, and then the other 50% mainland, those are drastic differences. Yeah. That's a generations of breeding that you're talking about being wiped out yeah. within that percentage. Yeah. Loss, so. they, yeah dude, absolutely. thanks so much. I, I would have, like, if I'd gone back, edited, and we did this episode without including that, I literally would have, like, beat myself over the head for that. Um, good catch. Um, Got you beat me. <laughs> um, all right. So we've talked about trying to get rid of the impulse buy. Research the person that you want to buy them from or, or know who you're buying from. Um, and and let, let's, let's also talk a little bit more about that one in detail too because I think people when they hear that are automatically going to be like, okay, well, I know three Superdorf breeders that have a good reputation, so I'm only going to buy from those three. And you can definitely branch out of just those three people um, or five people or however many reputable people there are out there. A lot of people have phenomenal animals, but Nathan and I were talking on the phone the other day about like how we were going to organize this and Nathan made a really good point. There are some new breeders out there that are buying either some closer to maturity animals and stuff um, that their names aren't well known and, and no one really knows them as super dwarf and dwarf breeders, but they got their animals from like legitimate people. Like for example, I'm thinking of someone off the top of my head that has a female from Reach Out Reptiles and a, and a male from Daniel Solis and they just produced a clutch, right? No one's ever heard of them. That doesn't mean you can't buy from them. You just have to ask again those questions like what's the mom, what's the dad, who produced them and then go back to those people that produced them and say, hey, did you produce a clutch in this year that was this? Hey, did you produce a clutch in this year that was this? If they both confirm, animals look good, legit. And oftentimes, because new breeders, um, I don't necessarily like this, but oftentimes new breeders will kind of sell their animals a little less than what the value and, and the market for them are because they want to, no one's going to come in at top price on their very first clutch. Um, and so you might be able to actually get a decent deal uh, it won't be cheap still if they're legit animals, but you can sometimes get a better deal <laughs> getting from a first time or second time breeder versus going to the source of where they got them from and spending a little bit more money. Absolutely. These snakes are expensive, so I feel like if you can save money, go for it, but don't compromise saving money for an animal with unknown information. Yeah, that definitely helps with some of the uh, negligent uh just impulse buys but you know there's still normals hard to say normals when you're talking about retics especially dwarf and super dwarf localities but um that's are going for you know 500 600 dollars in my case um so people can drop that if they have a little chunk of change burning a hole in their pocket for sure yeah yeah i mean it's kind of sad to think that like you know, at the end of the day, they're all animals, right? They all deserve 
Well, and those and those five hundred dollar animals can be just as important as the top dollar animals of that clutch, yeah. if not more so. Like the ones that aren't all visually that can be the fun ones to work. Why'd you with. punch your mic? I, it's not in a great position. I've been fighting <laughs> with it all night. Um, I just got a new desk, everyone. So I'm trying to adjust everything. Work this whole work this whole thing show, out. show them the cool thing no that's that's a surprise <laughs> for the end okay if you stick around you get to see the surprise um god giving away my secrets. well i just I think it's cool it's entertaining all right we're trying to produce i don't i don't hide anything when it comes to breeding but this <laughs> i hide um oh man that that should be another episode that we talk about like secrets are no fun unless you share with everyone. <laughs> um, so um, I, I think it's, I think it's fun to have a, a crowd of people cheering. You yeah. On. You know, just have people backing you up. There's like, if you're holding everything back, it's know. lonely to each their own. To each it's their lonely. Own. And, and again, I'm impulsive myself. And like when I'm excited about something, good luck trying to get me to shut up. <laughs> Um, so, all right. So know who you're buying from. Try not to impulse buy at shows, especially if it's your first retic and you're wanting to, to get a small animal. Like if you, if you're set on like, I'm going to get my first retic because I now have had this epiphany that retics can be a manageable size. That's awesome. I felt the same way. I was like, Whoa, this is amazing. This is my end to a dream snake. Um, but like, the, don't let the that that moment in time at a show just overwhelm you and do it. Like, really take the time to make sure, especially if you're wanting a smaller animal, take the time to just like make sure that you're getting a small animal because um, heartbreaks happen in in buying super dwarf dwarf animals and and pure locality animals and and that's part of it. I mean, it's happened to me as well. Um, yeah, I've seen it happen to people locally here, and it even getting an animal that would have met all their requirements. I mean, sometimes just a retic wasn't right for them. So, mm -hmm. you know, as much research or hands-on as you can get before bringing one of these things home, especially if you don't own one. Yeah. That's um, what I'd suggest. Yeah, try to be a little bit informed about what the percentages mean. Like, try to have an understanding prior to you buy it. Like, what makes a 50% Superdorf? What makes a 75% Superdorf? What makes an 87.5% Superdorf? And then find out what animals that, like, produce those percentages, right? Because, again, if it's if you are, are breeding a third, fourth generation 50% Superdorf to a third, fourth generation 50% Superdorf, and that pairing produces 50% Superdorfs, the likelihood of those animals staying smaller are much greater than if you're buying a 50% Superdorf that came from a mainland to a pure Superdorf. Um, you know, and I know a lot of people will argue and say 50% is 50% and they're still 50% mainland. So the, you, you still are, are playing a gamble game with the genetics lottery, but yeah, if it hits the phenotype of being that giant snake. Yeah. I, I, I it's possible yeah. but but know that that i mean at least i believe that if you are getting second third fourth generation 50 percent superdorf from 
50% super dwarfs, I think your chances of having smaller animals are a little bit higher than if it's just a very first generation cross. Um, and at this stage in the game, the only 50% crosses that should be made that are from mainland to super dwarf are when we're talking about getting hot new morphs into super dwarf like ocelot, hypo, um, yeah, and I mean even things like anthrax and and, and uh, OGS are still fairly new, and so if you want to get a mainland and do that and start your own line and own project of these things, that's okay. But like at this point in time, if you're getting a fifty percent superdorf tiger morph, and you're and it's a mainland pairing to a a, a pure superdorf, like there's no need to do that anymore because there's already so many generations of that stuff being bred. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you don't want to you don't want to oversaturate the market if if you have a big mainland tiger or you have this beautiful Kalatoa. It doesn't need to go together just cuz you have it. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Um so I really I'm I'm trying to think if there's any more topics about this to discuss i'm sure there's probably some some things that we oh, might be missing sure. out so give give me I'll, I'll give you like my top three things then you give me yours and see if we have anything that's too different from each other but i think number one just try before you buy so try to get some hands on um especially if you're new to retics super dwarfs whatever find someone get hands on if you can um two, do your research look up the breeders um ask questions find out about the parents if you can trace it further back and go back multi-generational like lucas is saying like all the way back to the importer more power to you and then three just respect that you're buying a living animal um know that you're going to be housing this thing for its life and just respect it that way and if you don't know what the life expectancy of snakes are upwards of 20 plus years if you keep them healthy and happy um so this you know it's it's you know i wish people would take the approach they did with dogs sometimes right like oh, i'm buying a companion that is only going to live you know 12 years or so for for most you know animals maybe a little bit more maybe a little bit left less depending on the breed but you know people when buying a dog do so much research and they go to a, a pound and they look at all the different, you know, animals up for adoption. Or if you're buying a, a purebred, you know, you're, you're getting a, a certified quality, um, what, what a AKC or what, what's the, the, yeah, I think AKC. Right. Yeah. So, right. You're doing all that when it comes to buying a dog for an animal that lives half the life expectancy of a snake. So like, just keep that in mind. Um, you know, yes, it's a reptile. They're cold-blooded, whatever you want to say. But at least for me, and I'm sure for most of you listening, your your snakes mean everything to you. They're 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 you know awesome animals to keep. So do your due diligence and just know that if you're gonna buy it, um, make sure that you're buying what you want to buy so that you are likely to keep that snake the entire time. Um, I lost track. Did you name your three so I can name my three? I absolutely name okay. my three. Go for it. <laughs> um, okay. My number one is um, 
if this is your first time buying a Superdor free tick, um, I would go on uh, or a pure locality retick, whether it's a big or or small or medium locality um, when it comes to pures. But I would go on Facebook forums, join first, and I would ask to see pictures of people's 50% Superdor, 75% Superdors, or their pure localities as adults. Ask people who have adults. And look what that adult size is going to be, uh, generally speaking. Um, and get as much information on and get pictures of what they look like prior to you getting it. Because it can go both ways. Um, you know, a 50% Superdorf can get 13 feet. Um, but then a lot of people are scared to even have an 8-foot, you know, retic. But an 8-foot retic you can still hold in one hand. Um, and and yeah. so like really know like try to get a visualization and I guess like like Nathan was saying hands-on experience if you can but if you can't go to Facebook and ask for that information um, watch videos of people holding these animals talking about their genetics yeah. like you can get some decent references on how large in general these animals can get and then as far as what you're buying you need to ask your questions yeah right? Um, number two, um, is, um, I, I can't stress the importance of it, it, like going as far back as you can. Um, whether you're buying a snake second or third hand, fourth hand or first hand, um, you know, I, I, I try to do my best to get at a bare minimum grandparents information. So I'm getting that snake's information, the snake's parents information, and then the snake's grandparents information. I want to know three generations. Um, that's going to help me make the decision that I need to make if that snake is right for me. Um, and then third would be to, I guess if you're buying one of these and, and the idea is to get a small manageable size retic, do not go less than 50% on the SD side. Um, you know, I, I see a lot of people being told that they're 37 and a half percent super dwarf is going to max out at eight feet. And it, I would not ever. Trust no, it. absolutely not. But I, I can literally I, I, I'm not going to do this, but I, I there are probably a handful of people I could throw under the bus on. I've seen it myself being said, sadly. Oh, yeah. I yeah, know. it's it's sad. But at the end of the day, you have to realize a pure super dwarf gets eight feet. So you can I don't know why anyone would expect that a thirty-seven and a half percent superdorf um, is is going to stay eight foot max grown because the parents were eight feet max. So really, fifty percent is a bare minimum, and I'm pretty sure an industry standard here in the next few years for manageable small retics is probably going to be up a tick at like sixty-two and a half percent. Uh, yeah, but I mean, still, the I I don't think that you're gonna see the industry ch standard changing of if you want to label it. No, it'll it'll super stay. Dwarf, it needs to at least meet the the fifty percent. Yeah, it, it definitely. Know? I think it's gonna stay at fifty percent. But in terms of just like that that certainty of making sure that like an animal that you're gonna buy is gonna be manageable and and you know, uh, the higher percentage, the better. Um. Yeah, and that all goes back to. Like finding out if the parents were, you know, a mainland to a pure, yeah. that's that's a different story than multi generational fifty fifties. So. Yeah, because some of the best, and don't get me wrong. Again, we've we've said this several times, but Nathan produced a clutch of animals that were fifty percent SD, right? And yeah. 
But I mean, they came off of a female that was seventy five percent Kalatoa. Yeah, so. and and that those babies, I've talked to, um, I know personally three people that I'm close with that talk to, and all of them are just shocked at how small they still are, and they're coming up on two years old. Uh, yeah, they'll be two in March. So, yeah. uh, they're they're eating like pigs. So I'm not not holding them back at all. Yeah. And so th- those are staying manageable size. So you can still get really good quality retakes at 50%. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm feeding them rabbit kits right now. Nice. And that's leaving a big lump in their belly. So they're, they're small. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, those are those are my three. Yeah. Just ask people where, where the animals came from. If you ask me, that animal, um, I, I had a male from joe that he got from reach out reptiles and then my female i got her from eric lee who originated her from rennick stock so (laughs) we're able to trace at least that far back that's cool you have rennick stock and i'm sure they traced a little bit further i'm not sure i need to verify that though yeah trace back as far as you can i guess that if i had to that's like my my number 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 one um all right i think I think we should wrap up this episode um before we do go um i, I want to remind you guys so number one again thank you guys for the support so far um we've gotten a bunch of positive feedback from y'all we're still learning as we go with this stuff and this is still new to us and it'll only continue to get better so thank you so much for the positive feedback um and um if you guys are subscribed on youtube go to spotify go to apple music go follow right just like if, if you guys like this stuff just go do that to support us so that we can con- hit the notification bell on youtube yeah. make sure you're heading over to our patreon become a member if you want a little bit more in-depth access with me and lucas we also have a really awesome community of members on our discord that's pretty active through the week so that's always fun so just join along and yeah i guess we'll see you next time yep take it easy everyone That was the surprise.